chapter 18, starting at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he told, could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that, came, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. And so also my heavenly father will do everything to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the members of the staff suggested this theme. I asked them early last summer, what do you think we should do in the fall after we finish that running to win series? And they all agreed that one of the two things they thought were the most essential, especially as we go into this part of the year, was to concentrate on forgiveness and then to concentrate on thanksgiving. And so our theme actually began last week as we celebrated the cup of blessing and broke bread with the world of Christianity is today the power of forgiveness. And then soon we'll start talking about Thanksgiving. And trust me, if your energy reserves are low and you're feeling pretty worn out by everything that's stressing us out these days, Focusing on forgiveness and grace and thanksgiving and praise is a recipe for healing. Peter probably thought that he was impressing Jesus by saying, should I forgive him seven times? Because the standard of the day, according to the rabbis, was four times. If you forgave someone four times and then they sinned against you a fifth time, you were allowed to dismiss them completely and forget about it. Just forget about forgiveness altogether. So you can imagine their shock when Jesus said, no, actually, I want you to do 70 times that. Remember that they don't know at this point how Jesus is planning to provide the unimaginable grace 
that is coming from God to them. They, they don't have any idea yet what they're going to get. They don't understand it until much later. We have the benefit as we read this story of knowing what Jesus is driving at when he says 70 times seven. In fact, Jesus says God is the author of scripture. Therefore, the one who also told us as early as the first chapters of Genesis about the, the murder of Abel by his brother Cain. Afterward, God called him to account for it, and Cain said, but, but people are going to want to get even with me for what I did. And this is what God said. If anyone kills Cain, I shall take vengeance on him sevenfold. That's Genesis chapter 4, verse 15. Isn't it interesting that in the earliest part of the Bible, God says through the Spirit that Anyone who tries to get retribution or, or revenge on Cain is apt to get sevenfold return on that revenge. And now we see Jesus telling Peter to give sevenfold forgiveness. The paradigm has shifted. Something is about to change in a big way. And we know what that is. Peter is yet to find out, but nevertheless, Jesus commands that we find forgiveness at all costs. You could say that Jesus is telling them ahead of the crucifixion and the great redemption that they need to have a spirit of paying it forward, that they need to have the attitude of someone who has been so generously blessed that they cannot help but attempt to bless others in the same way. And so Jesus is asking us in the same way that we have already talked about this morning, not to do things in order to win approval, but to do things as a result of unmerited approval. It's a subtle difference in words, but it's a huge difference in a frame of mind. So many people over the years have thought that the best way to be right with God was to win God's approval through good works. And what's more, and I think sad and really horrible, is that so many of them look for the approval of fellow human beings in order to evaluate how well they've earned God's approval. I mean, honestly, Think about the way in which people do good works. Good works are everything from donating money to the church or some other worthy cause to helping yesterday with the mission field day to, to, uh, to saying that you forgive people. But works driven by a desire to win the approval of other people, to appear magnanimous, and noble and in some strange way to assume that if society gives me such accolades then surely God will is to get it completely backward. It is altogether backward for us to do that and yet it's our nature. We have a tendency to do that and it is in its own way a very subtle 
but potent form of sin because it's vanity to appear magnanimous so that other people will approve of you. And then to go before God and say, but everybody considers me a good person. So Lord, you should too. What, a, what an amazingly backward approach to the sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, supreme being that ever is, was, and shall be. What an amazing approach to the one who is the very essence of justice and love, truth. Everything depends on God's approval. And yet we live our lives striving for the approval of fellow human beings and then present our collection of awards from fellow human beings to God, expecting grace. Peter isn't that different in this case. He's saying to Jesus, Look at me, Jesus, I'm willing to forgive seven times when the standard rate is four. And Jesus says, nah, 70 times seven, and then we'll talk, you know? Think about that. Now, understanding then that Jesus intends for us to show grace to others and forgiveness to others in the spirit of our amazing grace, our inconceivable forgiveness by the Heavenly Father for the sake of the Son who loves us, then his saying of 70 times seven is sort of concludes with an invisible phrase of, because after all, it's the least you can do. He says, forgive 70 times seven because it's the least you can do, <laughs> you know? I mean, it puts everything in a completely different perspective, doesn't it? Now, having been, I have a feeling, most of us are feeling a little convicted by this because I know that any time this subject of forgiveness comes up, whether in private conversation or in a setting like this, that among us are many, perhaps even myself, though I don't feel like it today, I have at times and probably will in the future, many of us are struggling with forgiveness. And I want to deal with the reality that God is very aware of. And that is that you have been hurt. You have been hurt deeply. You have been misused. You have been abused. You've been cheated. You've been robbed. You've been personally assaulted in a deeply intimate way. And it's hard to get over. You have something that you did that you haven't been able to get over. And so you carry this burden, you carry this debt 
that is accumulating interest and compounding daily, whether it's a debt that you hold against yourself or someone else, you carry this burden with you. And it's become such a familiar part of you that you have difficulty conceiving of a life without it. Well, let's be honest about hurts and unforgiveness for a minute. There are many, many circumstances in our lives where we've held a grudge against someone because of a misunderstanding, because of a simple misunderstanding. Be honest. You said something to someone, they heard it the wrong way, they were offended, they lashed out at you, you thought you were being kind and generous or you were saying something helpful and they took it as hurtful and they lashed out at you and then you reacted in kind and now there's a wedge between you and this person over a misunderstanding. Perhaps some of us are just a little too touchy a little too easily offended. Perhaps some of us are a little insensitive and don't have much control over our mouths and we just have a tendency to say what we're thinking without considering the consequences before we speak. Whatever. Let us agree that there are a number of hurts that separate us from each other and from our better selves that have resulted from misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. You misread the map and you didn't turn when you should have and you got a few miles off course. You didn't have Alexa or somebody to say, recalculating, you just went the wrong way because of a misunderstanding. And in that case, what you would do is realize your error and then turn in a new direction. But we don't do that when it comes to our relationships with each other or even in our relationships with ourselves. We stay on the wrong course. We fear that somehow making a course correction is going to result in more pain. So let's talk about that for a minute. There are times when there's justification for hard feelings. Yeah, there really are. There are times when we've been genuinely hurt by another person's action. There was malice aforethought. They intended to break into our house and steal from us. They intended to take advantage of us and rob us of hard-earned money. They intended to wound us and offend us. They intended to call us names and say harsh things that they hoped would cause pain. They intended to hit you, wound you, abuse you. And what's worse is they're unrepentant and acting as though they're in denial. And this really grates on us. This is what really grates on us. 
to think that this person deserves punishment and I deserve justice and this person doesn't even know how much they owe me. So let's go back to that image of the debt that you're holding against another person and it's accumulating interest daily, compounded, and you're waiting for them to recognize that they owe you something and they need to pay it back now in the form of personal pain and repentance and, and remorse. This is what we want from them, but it never seems to come. And what's worse is that the longer we stew over it, the more they seem to forget all about it. At this point, beloved, you have a problem. I have a problem. That's really, unfortunately, how it is. You are expecting something from someone that you're not going to get. But you continue to hold this account open. And you continue to, to build interest and build your rage against them to where you don't even want to be in the same room with them. You don't want to talk to them. And I know what you're going to say to me because you've said it before. You, in different faces and forms and different places and times, and even this guy I look at in the mirror every day has said this to me at times, and it is, yeah, I can forgive, but I can't forget. Well, look in the mirror and see whether you can say that with a straight face. Is it forgiveness? Now let us be clear. Jesus said to his apostles on one of their missionary outings, listen, be as gentle as doves, but as wise as serpents. And in my mind's eye, I always picture a snake trying to get through a room full of rocking chairs, you know? It, it means that you are allowed to see risk and let the wisdom that you have inform some of your choices. In faith, you're going to do things that are illogical at times, but at other times, God's saying, I gave you the good sense you have, so do what I tell you to do by just doing what I wired you to do. You know, I mean, there's always that. And so what I want to say to you is if you're one of those people who says, as I have in the past, I can forgive, but I can't forget. You need to cancel the debt. That's what forgetting really means. You have to be able to look at that person and say, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me uh, a payback. You don't owe me anything. You know, the vast majority of people who have, for example, witnessed the execution of someone who murdered their child will tell you that it didn't give them any peace. This is a matter of record. You can, you can investigate these things. You can, you can find some comfort in seeing justice served, but your personal journey toward peace doesn't come until you cancel the debt. This is what Jesus means when he says 70 times seven. He means forget about it. Close the account. 
In a popular money management seminar that many of us have attended, there's a saying that goes like this, when you loan family money, it changes the way Thanksgiving dinner feels forever, right? Because as long as there's this debt, there's this expectation that the debtor and the lender are both aware of. And so the suggestion in this particular instance is that if you're going to give, you're going to help out a family member, just give it to them. Just give them the money and say up front, debt canceled. This is not a loan, this is a gift. Now, if that person, for whatever reason, chooses to pay you back, all the better. But imagine how much better Thanksgiving dinner is going to taste if you've given them an unconditional gift of grace because you had something they needed and you loved them so much you gave it to them. And so this brings us full circle and this brings us to the end, really. Forgiveness in the spirit of Christ is canceling a debt and by that forgetting the debt. Okay, plain and simple. Jesus asks you to imagine that you have a, a, a book in front of you of unpaid loan payments. You know, like, you know how it is if you're paying on a car or something. You've got that little booklet and, and they haven't paid one shred of what they owe you. And you take that book and you throw it in the fireplace. That's what he is asking you to do. He is asking you to take this forgiveness so seriously that you cancel this open account that you have with someone. Accept that they're never going to give you what you want from them. Accept that they cannot, will not, or in some way beyond your comprehension, have no awareness. So the advice I wish to leave you with based in scripture is this. Evaluate those grudges you hold against others and yourself and then be fair. How much of it was just based on misunderstanding, childish immaturity, etc. Those should be easy to dismiss. That, that, that debt management guide that I was just referring to would call this your debt snowball. Start with the easy stuff. Cancel the easy debts, the ones that are based on just stupid stuff. And they should have been forgiven and forgotten a long time ago. Then when you get to the really hard stuff, do an honest analysis. And then forgive by canceling the debt. And here's what I'm sure Jesus would say to you, and I'm going to have to use my knowledge of him that's revealed between the lines of scripture to tell you exactly how I feel about this in the spirit of the word. And that is, it's okay to be careful and try to avoid future injury. There's nothing wrong with that. Experience has taught you that this person will hurt you. You've forgiven them. Praise God, you are a better person for it and you'll realize that almost immediately when you cancel that debt. But there is no reason to think that you go back for more punishment. There's no reason to think that you go back and take another round. That's not forgiveness. 
okay? I could cite you scriptures, but I think we understand that this is all part of it, that the Lord desires that we are in optimal spiritual condition. And so it isn't so much about that other person as it is about you with the Lord, and the Lord desires that you would be at your best. And you are at your best when you have canceled debts against others and released yourself for joy. And to keep that joy going, don't go back into situations that are guaranteed to put you in a repeat dilemma. And that's all I have to say about that. Let's pray. Thank you. Amens are always welcome. That's the word the Lord gives us for let it be so. And I pray it is so for you. Let, let us lift this to the Lord. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for truth and love. Lord, we're, we're pretty worn out anyway. But we're 10 times more exhausted for the unforgiveness we carry. So Lord, help us, we pray, to forgive ourselves for our past follies, for our genuine failures. Please help us as much as it depends on us to make peace with those whom we've hurt. And Lord, where we hold unforgiveness against others as an open account, let us close the account and discard the payment book. Help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to cancel the debt, to live in peace with you and with others by grace. And finally, Lord, we pray that where wisdom needs to be informed by your spirit, you would guide us to avoid situations that present us another opportunity to end up hurt and in a spirit of unforgiveness. We pray for this and all the unnamed things for your glory in our lives. Amen. Thank you.